0: And on today's episode of Listener Writes in, and they have a great question. And the question is this, why does Jesus say, Father, forgive them on the cross? Well, as he tells the story of the crucifixion, Luke gives us every opportunity to see that Jesus is the saving Christ. It could come when we see Jesus crucified and know that he is pierced for our transgressions. It could come when we see the Lord Jesus hanging between two robbers and know that He is numbered with the transgressors. It could come when we see Him stripped and scorned, or when we were when we see the sign in, heralding His kingship. But maybe we see Jesus most clearly of all in the first of His seven statements from the cross in Luke twenty-three thirty-four. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And with these words, King Jesus shows his his mercy. He declares that he is in the business of forgiving sinners. And as the king of, of the Jews offers his royal pardon, he gives the clearest proof of his divine and his saving grace. To err is human, we often say, but to forgive is divine. And here then is a divine forgiveness in Crucified love, the Savior, the Lord Jesus, announces the forgiveness that he was dying to give. These words seem to have been spoken at the very time when the soldiers were nailing Jesus to the cross. Uh, Kent Hughes writes, The cosmic drama had begun. There had never been such pain as physical and spiritual evil now came against Jesus in terrible conjunction. Body and soul recoiled. The initial shock of the crucifixion had rendered him paralyzed and quivering. Physical disbelief, screaming from severed nerves, and even spiritual horror closed in. He would soon become sin. It was just then that Jesus prayed for the forgiveness of his enemies, just when the nails were piercing and the cross was thrusting into the ground. J.C. Ryle says, As soon as the blood of the great sacrifice began to flow, the great high priest began to intercede. This speaks for itself, and it's remarkable. At the time of the most extreme ordeal, Jesus nevertheless found the courage to pray, not for himself, but for others. Jesus was always at prayer, so this was his instinctive response, and and it should be ours. In every discouragement, in every situation that we faced. And by the way, Paul says this to to Corinthians in 1st, excuse me, not 1st Corinthians, in 1st Thessalonians 5, that we are to pray at all times. There has been a good deal of discussion about the precise extent of this intercession. For whom was Jesus praying? Was his petition limited to the Roman soldiers or did it extend to the Jewish priests? And when he said, forgive them, was he praying for forgiveness only for people who were there when he crucified, or was was it for everyone whose sins sent him to the grave? Is this forgiveness only for sins committed in ignorance, or is it for sins committed with full knowledge and with willful intent? Well, at the very least, Jesus was praying for the soldiers who nailed him to the cross. And even though they were only following orders, and they they did not know that they were killing the Son of God, they were guilty nonetheless, and therefore in need of forgiveness for this sin, or else they would be damned. Ignorance does not constitute an extenuating circumstance. Not knowing is never an excuse. It is true that these men were ignorant of the enormity of their crime, and yet they still should have known better, especially given the verdict that, that Pilate had pronounced at his trial in Luke 23. We all know better whenever we sin against the Lord. Jesus had mercy on their relative ignorance and prayed for their sin to be forgiven. But this did not necessarily mean that all their transgressions were completely and immediately forgiven, but it, but it does mean that God would not hold this particular sin against them. The murder of his beloved son was such a heinous sin that unless they heard the words of Jesus, they might never believe that they could find mercy. And yet Jesus prayed for their forgiveness, and by faith they could be forgiven for this and all of their sins. And now notice that Jesus did not specify that his prayer was only for the soldiers, who were not the only people sitting against him, by the way. The priests were there. The religious leaders who had pressed and persecuted Jesus on the cross were there. So surely they were included in this petition for they did not know what they were doing much more than the soldiers did, and they too needed the Father's mercy. And so the Savior prayed for the priests as well as the soldiers. But in praying for these Jews and these Gentiles, Jesus was showing on the cross how he prays for us all. And even if he were only praying exclusively for the people who actually crucified him, it would still give us hope for our own forgiveness because here we see the heart of the mercy of God. The Savior's words demonstrated His redemptive purpose in dying on the cross. You see, if Jesus was willing for the Father to forgive the very men who murdered Him, then what sinner is beyond the the reach of the mercy of God? And surely anyone who repents and believes and puts their hope and faith and confidence in Christ will be saved. And when his enemies said, crucify, Jesus said, forgive. And a man who says that he is willing to forgive anyone, even people like us, no matter what we have done, as long as we come in faith to Christ alone. This may explain why Jesus left his prayer so, so open ended. He wanted to invite everyone who heard these words to receive the forgiveness of God. And so his petition opened the door for any of us to apply to our particular need of forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon said that he loved this prayer because of the indistinctness of it. In other words, Jesus prayed for them without ever exactly saying who them included. And so even though this prayer undoubtedly refers to the men who crucified Jesus, it, it should not be limited to them in its application. And so when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he was giving the hope of mercy to every lost sinner who would ever come to to him and to pray to be forgiven. We, too, are among the them that Jesus prayed for God to forgive. And Spurgeon applied this personally when he, uh, in Christ's plea for ignorant sinners in the Metropolitan Tabernacle Pulpit, uh, said, now into that pronoun them, I feel that I can crawl. Can you get in there? Oh, by a humble faith, appropriate the cross of Christ by trusting in it and get into that big little them. There is room for every sinner in the word them, and therefore many people have crawled inside that blessed pronoun to find the forgiveness of sins. They have heard the prayer of Jesus, and they dared to hope that that God would show them mercy. And it started happening that very afternoon when one of the criminals crucified with Jesus came to faith before he died in Luke uh, 23, 39-43. Could this have been? Because he heard Jesus ask for his enemies to be forgiven. One of the soldiers also came to faith, one of the very soldiers that Jesus prayed for God to forgive the Savior's prayer was starting to get answered. In the coming weeks and the months and the years and the decades and even now the centuries, many many priests, many people would trust in Jesus for their salvation as well. Luke tells us in the book of Acts that a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith in Acts 6-7. God has been answering that prayer ever since Encouraging sinners to believe that we will find mercy in the Father's forgiveness. And furthermore, Jesus has been praying this prayer ever since, interceding for the people he died to save. And even now, he is at the right hand of God, praying for our forgiveness. He is praying for them from the the throne the same way that he prayed from the cross. As the scripture says in Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to make intercession. Jesus is praying, Father, forgive. And, it, and it's, it is powerful because it is prayed to the Father who is none other than God Almighty, the first person of the Trinity. It is powerful because it is prayed by the Chosen One, Jesus the Son, the Christ of God. And here then is a conversation that takes place within the Holy and the Eternal Trinity. And when the Son prays to the Father, how can His prayer not receive its answer? Jesus himself said that the Father always hears the Son in John eleven forty two, And when the Son prays for us to the Father, therefore, our, our sins surely will be forgiven. And consider further that, that this prayer was offered from the cross. And so that when he prayed it, Jesus himself was providing the basis for our forgiveness. If the father needed a reason to forgive sinners, he only needed to see where where Jesus was praying this prayer. He was praying it on the cross, the very cross, where he was bleeding and dying under the curse of the wrath of God, suffering the just penalty that our sins deserve. And even as he made this petition, his position on the cross was pleading the merits of his blood. Now sadly ironic that at the very moment the, the priests and the soldiers were taunting Jesus for not being able to save himself, these men thought that that for someone to bring salvation he, he would have to win a glorious triumph. What sort of king gets killed, they thought, what sort of Christ gets crucified? If Jesus could not save himself from this death, they reasoned, how could anyone how could anyone at all? But of course it was because he was the Christ that Jesus refused to save himself. And that just because he refused to save himself, that he can save sinners who need forgiveness of their sins, the crucifixion, that some men scorn, was the very death that made his prayer so powerful. It was not by, by saving himself that Jesus saved sinners. His death is for our forgiveness. Rather than thinking of himself and his own sufferings, he was thinking of his enemies, As we know from his prayer, in fact, this is what the cross is all about. It's about the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus showed this in his dying hour by praying, Father, forgive. Our salvation was gained by the precious cost of his royal blood and by the loving heart of his kingly intercession. If we believe in the king who died for us on the cross, the king who was counted a criminal, stripped of all of his clothing and mocked by jeering enemies, then then we too will receive his royal pardon. We are forgiven. And now our lives should demonstrate his mercy as the gift of our own forgiveness compels us to offer that forgiveness to others. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He He not only said this, but he also did it by praying his first prayer from the cross, Father, forgive. And once we receive this forgiveness for ourselves, we pray it for others, including our very worst enemies. Whenever we hear the first words of Jesus from the cross, we must consider the people we need to forgive in our family, in our churches, in the wider community. Is there anyone who has wounded you, anyone who has betrayed you? We are called to pray for our enemies just as Jesus prayed for his. As Christians, the first calling that we have to our enemies is to love them by praying for them. If God is willing, they they will be forgiven, not just by us, but also by our, our Father in heaven. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Servants of Grace Theology segment. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you.